Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today we've got a crazy story of revenge where they send their boss to the psych ward. We'll get to that in a bit, but our first story of the day is I slept with my ex-boyfriend's brother. Everyone knows I'm brutal. I'm a sweet girl, but if you cross me, I'll make sure you pay. My friends and family know that. The folks at my high school knew that. I don't play at all. However, I softened up very much when my boyfriend came into my life. My boyfriend and I met at a bank where he used to work. He asked discreetly for my number after we saw each other the third time, and I obliged him. The first time we met, I thought to myself, what a good-looking guy he was. He was tall, very handsome, and had the most gorgeous hair and teeth. When I spoke to him, I thought, wow, what a nice voice. His voice was deeply baritone. If the men from the romance novels I read as a teenager could speak, they would sound like him. I wished he would ask me out. I was a sucker for very cute guys. But not anymore, though. Now I realize that a guy could look great on the outside, but be a beast inside. I'm a pretty woman myself, so I was confident about getting him to like me. I usually was at the bank because my boss sent me on errands, so the second time I showed up, I took extra time to look good because I knew I was going to see him. The third time, I looked just as yummy. He couldn't resist me this time, I could tell. So he asked if he could call me sometime. I smiled coyly and agreed. I already had my number written on a bright red piece of paper, so I just passed it along. Don't look at me like that. He called me on the evening of the same day and we spoke. I was impressed by how well he was doing at such a young age. He also graduated from one of the universities of high reputation in the country. I didn't go to college, so it was a huge deal to me. I think not going to college contributed to why I let him get away with treating me badly for so long. I didn't go to college because I wasn't sure of what I wanted to study. I also couldn't afford to, so I chose to get a job instead. I soon got a job as an assistant for a high-profile woman, and it paid well, so I stuck to it. When my ex and I started officially dating, he would throw subtle jabs at me about not going to college. The passive aggression he showed at the beginning of our relationship should have given me pointers as to the kind of person he is, but I didn't listen to myself. Once, he said, I bet you were one of those girls who peaked in high school and rejected all the nerdy guys, huh? I could tell he was one of those loser geeks in high school who resented popular girls for not being with them. I said yes, I was one of those girls. Were you one of the nerdy guys I shot back? He backed off after that. I think a lot of people try to tell themselves that popular girls and guys in high school are automatically not going to do well after high school. My friends in high school who were just as popular and pretty were all seniors in college at that time doing very well too and one was well on her way to going to law school. I didn't go to college but I was doing just as well. I had a great job that I loved. My boss treated me with so much respect. She paid me well and covered certain expenses like health. Because of my job I met with many celebrities, top profile people and public figures daily. Life was good. I should have known my ex was a bum because he lived with his mother who's a retired banker. Their house was large, but it was still suspicious that he refused to leave. 
His older half-brother, whom he hates, also lived with them. He was a footballer, but my ex would grimace whenever his mother mentioned his brother's career. Oh, you mean his fake football career, he would say in a ridiculing tone. He told me that he and his brother argued and fought a lot as children. His brother used to pick on him and have his friends pick on him too. His mom also loved his brother more than she loves him, even though he was the one with good grades and was well-behaved in school. All his brother did was play football and pretend to pursue a career in the same, while making his mother pay heavily for private football coaches. She loved his dad but never loved mine, he would complain bitterly. He didn't like his brother. They clearly had no love for each other, so I stayed away from his brother. I hardly ever spoke to him whenever I saw him in their house, but I noticed how he checks me out whenever he saw me. Once, his brother saw me at the store, and I told him I was going to their house to see my ex, and he offered me a ride. It only made sense for him to do that since we were going to the same location anyway. My ex must have seen us drive in, because when I went to his room to see him, he refused to speak to me. I had to beg and I even cried before he finally told me what I had done wrong. He was mad because I accepted a ride from his brother. I was puzzled. I said, I know you don't like your brother, but it was just a ride. He said, well, I don't want you getting just a ride from him. You could have called a cab. I said nothing to him for the rest of the day, and he ignored me as well. Eventually, he apologized and revealed that his brother stole his ex-girlfriend in high school. I felt sorry for him, and we made up. I told him I understood his fears, but I wished that he wouldn't do that again. Well, he did. My ex was emotionally manipulative. I wasn't allowed to have male friends. He never expressly said it, but taking a call from my boss's gardener could make him very furious. I became quite terrified of his anger. Whenever he was mad, he would punch walls and curse at me. I had never met anyone who was that unstable. We could go from talking, laughing, and being cozy to him yelling at me and threatening to end our relationship. He told me many times that he was aware that he could do better than me and was only putting up with me. My insecurities kicked in and I soon worried about losing him. He was a young, educated, very handsome and successful young man. I didn't think I could do better than him, so I tolerated his bad attitude and controlling behavior. He didn't like any of my female friends and would complain about them being irresponsible. Even the one in college who would come to town sometimes and we would visit places together. He said something about her just being too loud and called her an alcoholic. He was just too overbearing. Still, I didn't leave him. Whenever I got tired of him wearing me out, he would do something nice out of the blue and it was always done in public. He would buy me flowers and bring them to my boss's home office and the other workers would squeal in delight. I would then think, oh, well, he's sweet after all and stay with him. In our seventh month together, my boyfriend became a lot more overbearing. He started to wear me out about quitting my job. I could afford to see myself through school at the time, but I had no desire to go to college at the time. I didn't think it was necessary, and I didn't know what I would want to major in. I wanted to keep working for my boss so I could meet many people and build a clientele for when I start a career in makeup artistry later on in life. He wasn't listening to me though. It doesn't matter what you want to do in life, you need a college degree. I want my children to know their mom is educated. While I was offended about his constant whining, I did feel kind of flattered that he wanted me to be the mother of his children. I promised that I would think about it. 
Well, I don't want you to just think. I want you to say you'll do it. I don't want you to live like my brother. He spends all his time at the gym with no real career or job. Are you saying my job's not a real job? I asked, frowning. He said, well, it kind of isn't. You're only an assistant. Anyone can come in and take your job. Even high school girls could. I don't mean to sound insulting, but that's not the kind of job one does for a long while. It's supposed to be temporary. I felt so insulted that I burst out crying. You don't respect him. He sighed and sat on his bed, totally ignoring me. And then after a while, he said, You cry too often. Gosh, you're too sensitive. Anyway, let's get started with your college applications. I'm not going to college, I said quietly. At least, not now. He said, Listen, if you won't go to college, then we can't be together. I want a woman who's professional and takes her education seriously, not someone whose highest qualification is a diploma. I left his room that day promising myself that it was over. I felt very stupid. I'd taken his nonsense for far too long. I contributed to making him believe that he was special and was doing me a favor by dating me. I hated myself and cried to sleep that night. The next morning, all I felt was anger and irritation. I had to get back at him, but how? The finest idea came to mind. I was going to sleep with his brother. I knew nothing would hurt him as much as that did. He texted me later that day to apologize, and I accepted his apology but told him I needed time. So disrespectful was he of my boundaries that he came over as soon as he was done with work. I told him I didn't want to talk and went back in. You're overreacting, he texted me later. That night I found out about the gym his brother frequents and I was there that weekend. I saw him and went over to say hello. He was surprised that I came over and expressed that. He said, would my brother approve of this? I said, I don't need your brother's approval to say hello to his brother. He smirked and said, I've seen you ask for his approval to do the smallest things. I said, that's not true. He said, oh, but it is. I said, fine, I intend to remedy that. Soon enough, his brother and I got acquainted. Contrary to what my ex told me, his brother was pretty ambitious. He sustained an injury some years before and missed his big opportunity to be a professional footballer, so he settled for being a coach and worked part-time as a football coach at a high school. He was also training to be a fitness coach. I admired his ambition. One night, my ex's brother texted to see if I wanted to go watch a movie we both love. I agreed because it was the perfect way to make my ex jealous. I even offered to come over to their house to pick him up. When I got to the house, my ex-boyfriend was in the front yard doing some gardening. He thought I came for him so he walked up to my car and stuck his head through the window of the passenger seat. He smiled at me and I thought, wow, I would take you back if you weren't so toxic. He said, hey, I knew you would come around. I'm not mad at you for what you did when I came over to your boss's house, okay? I was irritated and said, what in God's name are you talking about? He said, really? You don't remember how you refused to talk to me that evening? I said, I do, and you deserved it. It was very rude to have come over, even though I told you not to. He said, stop being so dramatic. Gosh, how have you been? If you want to do the right thing and go to college, you still have time to put your application forward. I can always help you choose a major that's not too tasking. I said, you're very arrogant. He said, I just want what's best for you and... Before he completed that, his brother showed up wearing a big smile. Look who's here, my movie buddy, he exclaimed, rubbing his hands together. My ex turned around in shock. What are you doing? He asked no one in particular. I said, look, I'm going to see a movie with your brother. I just found out that we have similar interests. Step out for a bit. 
I want to talk to you, he said calmly. When I got out, he pulled me aside and said in an almost whisper, You can't go see a movie with him. If you do, then I'm breaking up with you. You are so deluded, I whispered back. I was done with you two weeks ago. He ignored that and said, I can go with you to the movies if you like. I say, didn't you say the kind of movies I like are simple and bizarre? I walked back into my car and drove off. My ex's brother and I were at the movies when he started sending different messages calling me who are and which. I was so pissed. I grabbed his brother's neck and kissed him. He kissed me back and we ended up hooking up in my car. I had no doubts whatsoever that my ex's brother would tease him about it. He only did that to get back at his brother anyway. The next couple of days, I got raging texts from my ex, but I couldn't be bothered, especially since his brother always had a fun way to make up for his tantrums at the end of every day. I badly wished that I'd met his brother first. He was the opposite of my ex. More laid back, funny, and non-judgmental. We continued to hang out until he moved out of town. Honestly, if it weren't for the baggage of having that ex-boyfriend looming around all the time, it sounded like OP should have gave the brother a shot. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our final story of the day is I sent my boss to the psych ward. Some people have work wives, some have work husbands, others have a work bestie, but I have or had a work villain. Or maybe I'm his villain? I don't know. But whatever the opposite of a friendly relationship at work is, that's what we have or had. See, I'm not sure if this person can still be considered my colleague or not, because he was recently committed to a mental health institution, and I'm not sure if he'll be allowed to resume back into his position at the office. But while the company sorts out the logistics and legal details of that, I thought it'd be okay to have a little confessional for myself, because telling anyone else would mean me taking his place and probably getting a straight jacket to go, so here goes nothing. I'm not the most friendly person at work, but I'm polite enough to get invited for after work drinks with the. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Rest of the unit, that's pretty much the best way to summarize my professional experience. I did enough to fly under the radar, but my name was never forgotten on a list. And to some people, that seemed like I was excelling while doing the bare minimum. But I don't care. It works for me, and that's all that matters. Now, you know how some people can hate your guts and exist without interacting with you? Well, I've come to learn that not everyone possesses this superpower. Some people 
have to make the fact that they can't stand you their very public business and everyone else's. And that didn't do very well for my under-the-radar public image when the new head of the department spent every waking moment, paid for by the company, mind you, reminding me and everyone who cared to listen that he didn't care about how I'd survived so long doing so little, aka not kissing his butt like everyone else, and he made it his personal mission to make sure I wouldn't get another promotion after getting three in less than two years. But I don't think he realized that I lived for competing with myself. Ever since I was six and my three-year-old brother got his training wheels before me, I made it a personal goal to do everything better than myself at least twice just to prove that I could. When I finished a crochet sweater in one week for my high school crafts project, I made sure to make one for every member of our five-person family in less than a week. I was done within three weeks, so my colleague or boss didn't know what he was toying with when he held me back after a team debriefing and told me, I don't know how you've convinced your past bosses and leaders to reference you for reviews, but I don't want you to get your hopes up for this quarter. You're not getting anything out of me. But that only sounded like a me versus me challenge. What could past me achieve that present me couldn't? Win over a boss without being too out there about it? Win over a boss who didn't want to be won over? New, but doable. So I tried every trick in my arsenal. I subtly added innovative strategies to our business development plans and they were overlooked. I brought extras of everything on our group camping trips and they were forgotten while loading the bus at the office. I volunteered for different programs and they got filled up with volunteers so close to my entry application. I knew the reason behind all these but I couldn't bring it up to HR without sounding psycho. I didn't have a plan to prove that my team leader was sabotaging my chances at getting another promotion. And even in the best defense theory, it sounded like an overlooked crush. Doing extra to make his trainings easier and all of those other things I devoted my energy to conveniently fit into the pursuing description of sexual harassment cases. And I couldn't risk that while trying to prove that he was sabotaging my career. But I couldn't lay back so I don't lose the doing just enough more than everyone else that defended my case in promotion debates. I needed to catch him at his weakest, but it seemed like he was more dedicated to proving that I meant nothing to the team than I was to proving that I was the only thing holding the team together. And I guess that's where our rivalry was born. He didn't think I did enough to warrant a promotion. I thought that offering to tickle a 55-year-old manager in the past was enough to get by and we just couldn't find a middle ground. Until I did. I felt that he could let me get by with just enough actual work and enough extra, extra extracurricular activities. And I proposed this to him, but he told me where exactly I could shove my idea. If I were recording the conversation, the story would have ended a lot sooner, but I wasn't and I needed to quite literally catch him in the act. However, as I mentioned, he was onto me from the start and nothing I did or proposed was met without criticism worthy of the Oscars. He wanted to know why I wanted to carry an outreach, who would be involved and the other team leaders I suggested as supervisors. And after looking through these for a million times, he would suggest his selections filled with people I'd never interacted with under the note of objectivity. And unsurprisingly, I wouldn't meet my target of the outreach and I'd be forced to do the whole dance all over again. 
So in some ways, it was like the love part of the work bestie arrangement, and it was also like the hate part of being the bestie that didn't agree with logical sense. I knew everything that was happening before he did, but he knew all the ways to clip my wings and networks before I even thought about them. It was frustrating and dragging on for too long until he finally drew the battle line of sorts. He reported me to HR for harassment. What had I done? Simple. I showed up to his house on Thanksgiving when I knew he made plans with his divorced wife and out of town kids and I was wearing the flimsiest robe ever. My lingerie was visible from 2,000 miles away and I wasn't bothered about it because I had the wrong address for a group thing and his ex-wife, who he'd been trying to get back together with, was furious because she thought I was covering up for him and we were hooking up. He knew he was in trouble and I knew he was in trouble, so he did what he could with the miniature power he had. He suspended me and reported me to HR for harassment outside the office, but because he didn't go into the details of what had happened, HR couldn't do anything drastic but give me a warning and a punishment of sorts. If there's anything anyone knows about HR, it's how much they care less about the work and more about the reputation. So after the warning, they made me work in a different space of the office for a month. Now I knew that I had provoked my boss, but I needed to make him as uncomfortable outside the workplace as he made my career feel. But somehow, news that I'd tried to seduce my boss started circling around the office and I couldn't walk or work without eyes on me, so I decided to get back at my boss for making me the object of scrutiny. Remember my obsession with doing anything well and twice? Well, one summer at camp, I convinced my instructor to teach me how to pick a door lock in case I ever got locked out. Then I went home and picked my parents' bedroom door for a week, and each time I stole a little souvenir. That was exactly what I had planned to do to my boss. I waited for the week he took his leave and hid out across the street till he turned out all the lights. Then I picked his front door and creeped through the rooms before finding the storage where he kept all his fishing stuff he wouldn't stop talking about at work. I remembered how he said he had a lucky hat that he used for fishing, and as soon as I saw that faded cap, I grabbed it. The next day I put the hat in a shopping bag and mailed it with instructions for a delivery service to bring it to the office and I gave them my boss's name and address, telling them to keep my information anonymous. Right about lunchtime, the receptionist buzzed my boss and told him he had a delivery, and when he came back to the office with the shopping bag, I went straight to the restroom. By the time I got back, I could see him pacing in his office. But I didn't spend too much time looking at him so he wouldn't get suspicious. I didn't go back to his house for another week. Then, I took his business school certificate and got it framed and then had a different delivery service bring it to him at the office. And that's when he really freaked out. Whenever a delivery was scheduled for him, I made sure I was completely visible so there wouldn't be any suspicions and I stayed out of his way work-wise so I didn't need to prove my overzealousness. And that's probably why I guess he didn't think too much of it when he told one of our colleagues that he planned to change all of his locks a day after the business school certificate was delivered to him. I knew I had to pull off a final move and wrap up my plan, so the following night I went to his house and picked up a bunch of random things from his house and also a framed picture of his ex-wife and kids. Then I left for good. 
I didn't send any of the items to him for a month, and I think he felt that he was just being pranked by one of his kids, so he didn't bother changing his locks or anything. Then I made my brother get me the number of one of his friends from high school, who had quite the reputation. I wrote out careful instructions for each of the remaining items and lied to the guy that I was doing it because my boss had assaulted me at work so he wouldn't get suspicious. Later that week, a pair of my boss's shorts found their way to the roof of his car, and he didn't notice till he pulled into the office underground parking. He was furious when he came into the office, and I had to bury my head in some files so he wouldn't see my smile. He was too proud to tell the cops that someone had broke into his home, and instead of stealing anything, they kept his shorts on his car. Or at least that's what I heard him tell the security guard at the parking before he drove home for the night. In the final act of my revenge for his hard-headedness, my little helpers dropped the framed picture in front of his house with a note saying, you didn't know they were gone, so maybe you wouldn't really notice when they are. And that's when he freaked out completely. I'd originally planned for the prank or whatever to end there, but when he came into the office muttering and acting skittish, I knew I had to do one last thing. Unknown to him, I'd been dropping anonymous mails to HR, letting them know he was acting a bit strange. So they were cautiously watching out for him to act out of the ordinary. My boss is a creature of habit, and I knew he'd want a cup of coffee at 12, so I unplugged the coffee machine at 11.45 and conveniently ran into one of the HR team members, more specifically, the one who handles complaints and communications, in the hallway 15 minutes later. I started a pointless conversation with him and steered him towards the break room, where my boss was rather conveniently screaming at and hitting the coffee machine and tugging his hair. I gasped loud enough to startle him and my boss's expression was the icing on the cake, as the HR guy was already calling security to defuse the situation. While talking to security, the HR guy told my boss they hadn't taken the mail seriously, but now it was beyond date. My boss screaming, what mails, just added to the perfection of that moment, and I made sure to chip in that my boss probably needed professional intervention, and had been muttering about seeing things in the office for months. One hour later, my boss was given the option of two months mandatory leave with half pay for mental health reasons, or full pay while admitted into a psych ward until cleared. He chose the psych ward. I got a new job in a different city, and whenever I remember the way he looked defeated when the institution came to pick him up, I feel a sense of pride because I was the one who sent my boss to the psych ward. I mean, I know it's nice to get back at a bad boss, but man, that's some serious revenge. Although I will say it's actually kind of nice in a way that, considering this guy seemed to be losing it, that this company would give them full pay while they checked into a place to get some actual help. Although this whole thing was totally set up by OP, it honestly puts that company in a pretty good light. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely insane revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.